New Testament. We've been to all Old Testament characters. We're going to do a, a few New Testament characters. And so we're going to look at uh, one of my heroes. <laughs> Maybe you'll see why as, as we get on. But I want you to uh, open uh, with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 5. get somebody to read first 11 verses for us. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Okay, calling of the first uh, disciples here. Um, and I want us to particularly look at this one who's a hero of mine, who is Peter. And uh, Peter uh, is, is a hero of mine, I think, because he uh, so often found a way to mess up, right? <laughs> and yet the Lord uh, seems to, to uh, always take him back and, and hold him in the palm of his hand. We're going to see some of that as we go along here. Um, if you were, um, let, let me read to you from John. John's account uh, uh, it gives us a little bit more of the calling of the first uh, disciples. In uh, Matthew and Mark, it just says Jesus walking along and he sees these disciples washing their nets, or these individuals washing their nets. And he says, follow me and I'm making fishers of men. And first of all, it's uh, Andrew and uh, Peter, and then uh, James and John on down the road. And uh, so this one tells us uh, here, here in Luke chapter 5, it fills in a little bit more of those details. The other, the, the first two of the synoptic gospels don't talk about the amazing catch of fish that we're going to discuss in a little bit more detail, but I want you to get just a little bit more detail from John's gospel, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 42. Uh, the next day, John was uh, there again with two of his disciples. This is John the Baptist. Uh, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard uh, him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and they saw where he uh, was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. 
Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And so we get a little bit more information here about Andrew. He was actually a disciple of John the Baptist. And when he heard John the Baptist uh, call Jesus the, the Lamb of God, he follows him. Well, anyway, so Andrew, verse 40 here, and Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John, uh, when John had said, uh, heard what John had said, who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And so there was a little bit, seems to be a little bit of uh, information. Jesus didn't just kind of wander. It doesn't seem that Jesus just wandered up on uh, Peter and Andrew, uh, cold turkey on the, on the side of the, on the uh, shore and just say, follow me. It seems that he had already knew Andrew and that Andrew had also introduced him to introduce Peter to Jesus. Andrew's, by the way, a uh, different uh, one. We won't do a whole character study on him, but I love Andrew. He's always bringing people to Jesus. Remember the little boy with the loaves and the fishes? And he's the one that brings him. And there's several places when you see Andrew, he's so often bringing others to Jesus. A great story. But anyway, so we see that uh, there, there's probably... Um, when Jesus first calls them as his disciples, he, he's already had an introduction to them. Andrew was John the Baptist's uh, a disciple, and when he heard, hears John the Baptist calling the Son of God, he decides to follow Jesus. And he does, and then he introduces Peter uh, to Jesus as well. Now, in the story that we have just seen here in Luke, which seems to be probably the uh, fullest telling of this story, certainly Jesus comes in. Uh, James, or excuse me, Andrew and John are, are washing their nets, cleaning them up. They've been out, out all night fishing. They hadn't caught a thing. The fish had gone to sleep all over the place, and they're just not, not going to get in their nets. And um, so Jesus, at this point, says, "Yeah, how was the fishing?" And uh, not so good. We've had better days. And so Jesus says, "We'll put out to the deep and let down the nets for a catch." And I imagine these guys are like, now, how long have you been fishing? <laughs> no. You're going to instruct us on this? We put our nets on every side of the boat you can imagine. But, you know, all right, we'll do it. And so they go out, put down their nets, and you know the story, every fish in the lake jumps in their nets, so much so that they start to break, and they have to call out the other boat. Um, it's probably, it looks like it's the, the sons of, of Zebedee, uh, James and John, they send out their, their boat, and the boats both get full. And then Peter does an amazing thing. R.C. Sproul told, tells his story, and he says, you know, like if I was Peter, you know, Peter's Jewish. <laughs> and he's like, this is a pretty good deal we got going here, Jesus. I tell you what, you come out here every Tuesday. You only have to wake, work one day a week, every Tuesday. <laughs> and you come out, and you do this again, and we'll give you 50%. We'll cut you in here on the contract right here. But he says, that's not what Peter does, is it? You know, it's an amazing thing. What does Peter do? Um, when, when, uh, when he sees this happening, verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. And he said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. <clears throat> Peter here is recognizing his sinfulness. And he's recognizing his sinfulness because he's in the presence of holiness. 
and recognizes that his sinfulness can't, can't dwell in the presence of holiness like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he, he's in the presence of the holy God and the angels are crying out, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah recognizes at that point his own sinfulness and he falls on his knees and he pronounces condemnation on himself. That's what a woe is in case you didn't know. It's a pronouncement of condemnation. You see a lot of woes pronounced uh, in Scripture, but I think this is the only place where anyone pronounces a woe on themselves. I am condemned. I am destroyed. Um, I think the language in the King James, I am undone. Right? I'm falling apart here because I'm in the presence of holiness. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. He recognizes his own sinfulness and he thinks at this point, I need to get away or I'm going to be destroyed. Peter, at this point, recognizes he's in the presence of holiness. And he recognizes his own sinfulness. And that this is, he, he can't stand in the holiness of Jesus, uh, in his sinfulness. So he confesses his sinfulness, something that we each one need to do when we come to the Lord. Confess our own sinfulness and, and recognize that he is holy. And Peter is saying, go, go away from me. And, but to his delight, Jesus didn't. Instead, Jesus stays in recognizing his holiness, recognizing Peter's sinfulness, and recognizing that he had come to do a work that would forgive all of Peter's uh, sinfulness. And so Jesus goes on. Uh, here at the uh, last part of verse 10, he says, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid from now on. You will catch men. So they pulled their boats up uh, on shore, left everything, and followed him. What a great, what a great thing! And, you, and now there's a, begins a three-year uh, period of time with uh, Jesus, and it is it's a great thing. Um, as they're uh, going, they get to hear Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter five through seven. They're with Jesus when he gives the Sermon on the Mount. They're getting to hear all of this. His teaching and everywhere he goes and he would teach people about him. Um, together with the other disciples, uh, Peter not only hears Jesus' teaching, but he gets to see uh, Jesus' miracles. Um, Luke 8, this is just one of them. Uh, Jesus has raised the dead in Luke chapter 7. He's done many other things. And, um, in Luke chapter 8, and verses uh, 22 and following. One day Jesus said to his disciples, these fishermen, right? They've still got their boats. And they're able to use them. He says, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got in the boats and set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. I don't know if you guys ever see the reality television series, The Deadliest Catch. Up in Alaska, and they're catching these lobster, and it's dark all the time because it's that time of year, and there's no light up there. Hmm. And those waves are tossing those boats. I mean, they got 20 foot, 30 foot swells and stuff. And I don't know how in the world those guys would do that. But they're they're standing on their boat, pulling up these great big pots of crab and everything, with this tossing boat around like that. Well, I imagine it had to have been something sort of like that that these disciples are seeing here. Um, they've been on this lake all their life, and they've probably weathered some storms before.
for, but this one seems to be a, a different sort of uh, storm for them. The boat was being swamped. They had the waves coming over into it, and they can't get it out fast enough. And so uh, the disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. Uh, the storm subsided and all was calm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine seeing this? It's that the, the wind's just blowing real hard, the winds and the waves are coming up, and he just says, Stop it! <laughs> and it does. That would be an amazing thing. And Peter is seeing this. He's seen, he's seen Jesus raise the dead. He's seen um, other just incredible uh, miracles that Jesus has done. But here they are in this amazing time. They're crossing the sea and this big squall comes up and they're about to sink. Jesus stands up, rebukes the storm. And then and, and it becomes calm. And Jesus <laughs> said, where is your faith? He asked his disciples. <clears throat> You would think maybe, I guess he was thinking, you should have had some faith. You've seen me raise the dead. you see me do a lot of things here. You should have some faith. I said we were going to the other side of the, of the lake. Didn't you believe me? But anyway, after this, Jesus calms the storm, and, all we, uh, uh, and it stops. And then in fear and amazement, they ask one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Um, from what I understand, the Greek at this point is what manner of man is this? It's a scary thing. They have no category. They've never seen a person who can stand up and simply say to the wind and the rain, stop, and it just immediately does. And that's what Jesus has done. Here again, he's in the presence of holiness. And they are, you know, the, the, the storm was one thing to be scared of, but um, it, at this point, they are even more scared in the sense of being in the presence of someone like this that can command the wind and the rain and it would stop. And so he has been with Jesus to uh, hear his teaching, to see some of his works, um, to see him do amazing things, even stopping the wind and the rain. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, here's another Matthew 14, 22 33. Here's another story where uh, the disciples are out in the boat, this time without Jesus, and but he's up on the mountainside watching them. And, um, and here's what happens uh, Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while uh, he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, here's my hero, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, uh, 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Then, it, then they <coughs> climbed into the boat and the wind died down. Uh, then uh, those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Peter is seeing all these things, these, these amazing miracles. Can you imagine? I mean, this isn't like making someone's leg grow when one leg is shorter than the other. This isn't like this. These are true miracles, you know. These are things that are just amazing uh, to see here. And Peter has been hearing Jesus talk and hearing him speak, seeing these miracles. And as a result of all of this, I believe, uh, having spent the time with Jesus, knowing what he's like, hearing him teach, and, and seeing the things that he has done, in Matthew 16, Jesus uh, comes to his disciples. Matthew 16, verse 13. <clears throat> Jesus came to a region of Caesarea Philippi and asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? By the way, Son of Man is the term Jesus uses for himself more than any other. And it is taken from uh, the book of Daniel, I believe, chapter 7 and chapter 9 where one like the Son of Man comes and he's given authority and so on. But anyway, uh, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they knew he was talking about himself. And so verse 14, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, or the others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter is the one who answers. He's been with him. He's heard him speak. He's seen him do these amazing things. So he answers for all of them as a spokesman. Simon Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus affirms that answer. He seems to know because of what he's seen, what he's heard. You are the one we were looking for. You, uh, Andrew was right when he came to me, when he uh, first introduced me to you. You are the Messiah. You are the one we've been looking forward to. And so Peter knows this, and he gives us this uh, uh, confession of Christ. 100% absolute. You're correct, uh, Peter. And uh, Jesus even says, you know, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed it to you. It is the truth. He was one of the disciples who was obviously the closest to Jesus. He was one of the three, I believe, that were, were closest to Jesus. Um, we see this by when Jesus goes off and he selects just three of them to go with him at different times and different places. Peter's one of them, right? We see it in, in uh, Matthew 17. You don't have to turn anywhere for this one. Matthew 17. Uh, after six days, Jesus took uh, with him Peter, James, and John, uh, the brother of James, and he led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. Uh, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Just then he appeared before them. Uh, Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus, and so uh, Peter's one of the one of the select few that get to come up and see this. And Jesus says, you know, he, he, he takes down the veil a little bit and says, this is this is really closer to who I am, right? So you see it, and and uh, Peter gets to see that. Peter is also in Matthew 26. We see again that he is one of those favored ones who. Uh, uh, I guess Jesus kind of had his favorites uh, a little bit. 
um, because he takes Peter, James, and John with him when he's up on the mountain to be transfigured. In Matthew 26, verse 38, this is in Gethsemane. Jesus is uh, uh, his, he's feeling incredible loneliness. He's feeling incredible stress. He knows what's about to happen. He knows he's going to be alone there. And so he takes along with him, separate from the rest, verse 37, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And so we see that uh, Peter is one of the, one of the close ones, you know, really, uh, just incredibly close uh, to Jesus. And... Um, but he's often, it's interesting that uh, Peter's so often caught with his foot in his mouth, right? He's, he has seen these things. Uh, he's heard Jesus' teach. He's seen the things that Jesus does. And he, is, he understands so much that he can give this confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But, and then almost immediately, it's like Jesus affirms him in this. And then in John chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 16, right after Peter's confession, um, verse 21, Matthew 16, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day rise to be raised to life. And Peter took him aside. I'm your good buddy here. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Lord, uh, never Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. <laughs> let me, and Peter, I'm Peter, let me instruct you, Lord. Uh, let me tell you the, the truth of the matter here. Well, Jesus turns and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> You are a stumbling block to me. Do you not have in mind? You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Um, here's Peter, seen all these things and understands all these things, and is able to speak boldly the truth. And then, just a few minutes later, speaks so arrogantly and so as if to uh, instruct Jesus on what he's to do. And he sticks his foot in his mouth. And Jesus even has to say, Who am I, Satan? <laughs> well, uh, Matthew 17. Here's uh, where Jesus is taking them up on the mountain. And he is tra Jesus is transfigured. And there is Moses and Elijah there with Jesus. And then verse 4. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. <laughs> Oh, verse 5, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's almost like, no, you don't understand. These other guys don't, don't warrant this, okay? Peter, you know, maybe you can see if you can get your foot out of your mouth here. John 13. I know it's like a Bible drill. You had a Bible drill this morning, but it was only in one chapter. Or only in one book. But in John 13, here we are. 
getting close. Jesus is there. John 13, we're going to be again in the first verse. It was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were uh, in the world. He now showed them the full extent of his love. <clears throat> the evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. <clears throat> Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel uh, that was wrapped around him. He came to Peter, Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm going, what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, then Lord, uh, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, a man has, uh, Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. And so on here again, Peter, um, <clears throat> speaking so boldly, um, but uh, to be so brilliant in saying you are the Christ, now, once again, he's got his foot in his mouth. Um, Matthew uh, 26. One more bold claim of Peter. Matthew 26, beginning verse 31. Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus told him, this very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. <laughs> Jesus just told him he would. And he says, no, you're wrong on this one. I'll never do it. So anyway, we, we go on. Even if everybody else says, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But, be, but Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And the other disciples said the same thing. Again, Peter seeming to uh, think more of himself than was actually there. Well, we find out what happens. Um, after they, uh, they come get Jesus and take him before a, a kangaroo court in a trial before the Sanhedrin in John chapter 18. Uh, Jesus is arrested. And um, it's an interesting thing here. As he's being arrested, Peter acts out. And it's almost like, I told you I was going to stay with you, right? He acts out, and so as they're coming to get Jesus, um, they, they've, they're, they're taking him, and Peter is still there with him in verse 10. John 18, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had the sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. 
the servant's name was Malchus. We, we see in some of the other Gospels that Jesus takes here and puts it back on. And, and then verse 11, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. I shall not drink the cup. Uh, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So again, Peter is doing stuff just impetuous and trying to do his own, his own thing, acting bold on, on his own. And at this point, it's got to be kind of confusing, I would think, to Peter. Say, I told you I'd stay with you, and I'm trying to, and now you're telling me to stop it. Well, they arrest Jesus, and they take him to the, uh, like I said, to the high priest's house. And when that happens, we see in verse 15, uh, Simon and another disciple, uh, probably John, Simon and another disciple were following Jesus because the disciple was known uh, to the high, because this disciple was known uh, to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait on the outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. Are you not one of his disciples? You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. <laughs> he just said he wouldn't do it, and here he is doing it. Um, it was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm, and Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Down to verse 25. As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he, uh, he was asked, you are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it, saying, I am not. Number two, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Jesus, or excuse me, Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? And Peter denied it again. And at that moment, the rooster began to crow. <laughs> Imagine Peter hears the rooster and he immediately remembers what Jesus has said. And he says, no, I won't do that. I'll stay with you. I'm strong. I'm bold for you right now in this setting right here when I'm with you. And it's just us and we're communing real well. Things haven't gotten tough yet, but they're about to get tough. And as they get tough, Peter finds he's not quite as bold, not quite as strong as he had said that he would be. So he winds up doing just what Jesus said three times. He, he denies him. I know that Peter must have felt awful about this. Um, he had said he wouldn't, but he did. And then he goes on to see Jesus hung on a cross and the awful, uh, torturous uh, death that that was. And um, <clears throat> Jesus being put to death. And so he, I'm thinking he's kind of going into hiding. Certainly others would come to him saying, weren't you one of his disciples? And he would have to continue to say no or thinking he might be punished along with Jesus. But an amazing thing happens. A great thing happens. Um, three days after, you know, they put the Jesus in the tomb. They roll the stone up on it. Um, the women go um, on that uh, first, on that Sunday following the crucifixion. We read in Mark 16. In Mark 16, the women go to the tomb. They got the spices. They're going to anoint the body of Jesus. And when they get there, it's empty. And they don't know exactly what's going on with it. And all of a sudden, um, there's a, they saw this young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. And now in verse 6, 
the young man says, don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where, he lay, where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter. Go his tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him, just as he told you. Peter done awful here. He's, he's denied Christ three times. Just as he said he wouldn't do. He said he'd never leave. He could believe Christ, but he did. And now, on the resurrection, the only one that's mentioned specifically by name to go tell is Peter. Go tell my disciples and Peter. Wow. <laughs> Talk about being forgiven. And just the amazing a bit of being forgiven. And then after he has risen, you know, the story of Peter going looking in the tomb and, and all of these things. And then uh, a, a great reinstating Peter comes, we see in, uh, in John chapter 21. wind up reading this whole chapter and read the first 17 verses to you first. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberias, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel uh, from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish. Uh, another reason I like Peter, right? I'm, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. Uh, and they said, we'll go with you. Well, they went out and they got in the boat uh, but that night they caught nothing early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus he called out to them friends haven't you any fish <laughs> sound familiar this has happened before no they answered and he said throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some and when they did they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord. <laughs> he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. And does this not sound like Peter? He jumps into the water, and the other disciples uh, followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish. And they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire and burning coals, there with fish on it and some bread. Um, and Jesus said to them, Bring me some of the fish you have caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said, uh, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Uh, they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And did and did the same with the fish. He was now. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples as he was raised from the dead. Peter, uh, you got to know the joy of, uh, of you know the risen Lord and everything. He knows it's him. <laughs> he still acts like Peter. Jumps out of the boat, hundred yards away. After he's wrapped his, his outer garment around him, jumps out of the boat, and tries to swim to shore. Well, anyway, when he gets there, um, Jesus reinstates him in an amazing way. Um, verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said, Simon Peter, 
he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Uh, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Again, Jesus reinstating him. Three times he's denied him, and now three times Jesus again is asking him, and three times um, he's restoring him, saying, you're still going to be used to me, and I want you to go and feed my sheep. That's what I've got for you to do. I'm still going to use you. Uh, you've been quite, uh, not, not always the best. Sometimes you, you, you can't get your foot out of your mouth. Sometimes you... Um, wind up uh, betraying me three times denying me but I want you to feed my sheep then, go, and then Jesus goes on verse 18 here he says I tell you the truth when you were younger you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted but when you were old you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that Peter would glorify uh, by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. <laughs> Peter, you're going you're gonna to die in a way it's not going to be too pleasant. I want you still to follow me. I want you to feed my lambs. Well, we see Peter doing this almost immediately the very next chapter, Acts chapter 1. Peter seems to be the spokesman for the uh, apostles here. Um, they're all meeting in an upper room in verse 15 in those days Peter stood up among the believers and said brothers the scriptures uh, had to be filled with uh, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas and so on and so uh, Peter is the one uh, standing up and kind of a spokesman for the group we see this again on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes on them and they start speaking in other tongues and all the people who are there from so many different places are hearing uh, hearing them speak in their languages and they say these guys are drunk I'm not sure I'm not sure what being drunk has to do with enabling you to speak in other languages but somehow they, it makes sense to them but uh, Peter stands up in verse 14 and he again is the sport spokesman uh, uh, he, he stood up with the 11 in his voice and raised his voice and addressed the crowd Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you this, this to you. Listen carefully. Why I say these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he begins to quote scripture. And he goes on and preaches to them about what has happened to Jesus. And his death and his resurrection. That these things had to happen. And that they were the ones who caused it. And it was an amazing revival. There are 3,000 uh, come and are baptized and, and come into the fellowship of the church that day well um, Peter continues on in uh, chapter 3 uh, Peter and John go into the temple to pray there's a lame man that's been there you know pretty much all of his life everybody goes in the temple are used to seeing him there and he's asking for alms asking for some money and uh, he asks Peter and John for some money and they say I don't have any money but what I have I'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk 
and they heal the man. He starts, he gets up and he starts walking. He says he goes walking and leaping and praising God. Well, this, this presents a commotion in the temple, and you know what happens? Peter, again, takes the opportunity as everybody's coming over to see what's happened. And Peter then takes the opportunity to speak and tell of the gospel uh, that is there. And there again, is, uh, we see uh, many turning to the Lord. And then in chapter 4, Sanhedrin, these same people that just not so long ago have had Jesus put to death by crucifying him on the cross, they come and they arrest Peter and John. They don't know exactly what to do with him because this man that nobody could deny had been crippled all of his life, now he's up walking around. And they know that he is, these are the guys through who God has done this miracle. And so they're really not happy with Peter preaching about Jesus. After all, they're the ones that had him put to death. And so they say, you've got to stop. We're going to let you go. We're not going to keep you in jail here. But I'll tell you this, you've got to stop preaching in the name of this man. And then Peter, uh, in verse 8, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked uh, how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it, was, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, uh, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given under heaven. Uh, there's no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Peter has found some courage, hadn't he? Standing up before the Sanhedrin and saying these things. Well, they they wind up letting them uh, letting them go and. You know, some of the other stories of Peter, uh, Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter has this vision, this, uh, uh, this big sheet of uh, animals, including pigs and, and uh, shrimp and all kinds of good stuff that they wouldn't eat. The dietary laws wouldn't allow them to do it. And they come down on this sheet, and this voice says to Peter, uh, go take it and, and eat some of it. And Peter says, no, 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 can't do that. It's unclean. He says, I've never done that. And so, you know, three times this happens, and uh, the Lord says to Peter, finally says to Peter, do not call unclean what I've called clean. <laughs> he begins to understand it. By the way, I don't mind having ham sandwiches because of this. So. <laughs> um, and, and then as soon as the, the sheet goes back up from the vision, there's a knock on the door, and you know what it is. Somebody, uh, Cornelius has been told to go, uh, send somebody to go get Peter to come to his house. Peter wouldn't have done that otherwise. It would have been the wrong thing for a Jewish man to do. But he goes, and he goes into the house of Cornelius, this Gentile centurion. And he goes, and uh, God has sent, uh, is told Cornelius to, to send for Peter. Peter comes and he knows why he's there. He's got to preach the gospel and he winds up preaching the gospel uh, to Cornelius and Cornelius uh, and his household uh, come into the, to the family of God, into the kingdom and they receive the Holy Spirit as well. And uh, so it's, it's an amazing thing here. Peter at first here is almost saying, Lord, no, I'm not going to do it, but Lord on his telling three times and then tell him, you know, it's clean. I made it clean. 
So don't worry about it. Go ahead and do it. And so uh, Peter does. In Acts chapter 15, there's a concern because Paul and Barnabas have been going out uh, presenting the gospel in a lot of faraway areas uh, outside of the geographic area of Judea. And they've been having a lot of Gentile converts. And so there's this question about what to do with the Gentile converts. Don't they need to be circumcised? Don't they have to obey all of the uh, ceremonial laws? And so they're coming in discussing this. And uh, Peter is one of the ones that stands up at the council in Jerusalem in uh, verse 7 and, and so on. And he stands up and he says, this is what God did with me and Cornelius. Um, he sent me there. He told me, don't, uh, don't call uh, unclean what I make clean. So Peter here is, seems to have finally gotten some of it together, right? He's finally being bold and he's being focused in the way God wants him to. I think it happened a little bit before the council at Jerusalem, but it is still after uh, so much has happened with Peter, so much good stuff has happened with Peter, that he goes to Antioch, and we find this in Galatians. Uh, chapter 2. He goes to Antioch, and while he's there, he's seeing all these Gentile converts, and um, he's eating with them as, you know, he, I guess he's figuring God's already sent him to Cornelius, and this is a good thing, so he can eat with the Gentile converts. But then some people come from Jerusalem, up, some other people come from Jerusalem, say they're from James and uh, say that you can't do that, it's wrong. And so even Peter is taken away by it, and he stops eating with the Gentiles here. And verse 14, Galatians 2, 14, when I saw uh, that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of all of them, you are a Jew, yet you act like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And so on Peter, uh, is, is confronted by Paul here. He's still not got it quite all right, has he? Even after he's been re reinstated, he's been forgiven of all these things, and the Lord tells him, feed my sheep and, and bringing him back in, it still seems that Peter still doesn't quite have it all together. But the great thing about Peter Jesus tells uh, Peter in Luke 22 that uh, Satan is desiring to sift him like wheat. And Jesus says, I pray for you. <laughs> I pray for you. He's not going to be able to do it. Satan's not going to be able to touch you. And so the Lord has restored him. He used Peter in despite of himself. And so floundering as he did so many times, yet he's always restored. The Lord always restored him. And he used Peter despite Peter. That's why Peter's my hero. Right? <laughs> he used Peter in spite of Peter for his kingdom. And in a sense, Peter does remain true to the end. Jesus had told him the type of death that he would die. And truly, someone's going to change his clothes, dress him, and take him to a place he doesn't want to be. It's not in Scripture, but... Uh, but uh, Tradition tells us, I think it's in Fox's Book of Martyrs, that uh, Peter was actually taken and crucified for his death. And uh, we're told that uh, 
when he was about to be crucified, he says, I don't want to be right side up. I don't deserve to die in the same way that my Lord did. And so he said, crucify me upside down. And so tradition uh, tells us that he was crucified upside down. And that was the manner of death that Peter died. And he died for the Lord, finally being faithful to him to the end. And so uh, that's why I like Peter. I like Peter because uh, someone who doesn't always get it right. But God always gets it right with me. And so that uh, makes me think God can use even me, maybe. And for you too. Let's pray.